strange text I'm going to have you turn to, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. I am Mike Suffin from Lander, Wyoming, and we came on in on Friday because uh, I've lived out here long enough to know you don't drive on that day uh, unless you just have to. Uh, so uh, we came in on Friday, and we are excited about being here. Good to have my wife. I was actually here uh, probably a year and a half ago or so when Brother Paul Perkins was here uh, for a meeting you were having. We, we uh, had him as one of our missionaries when I pastored there in Virginia. And uh, just a very little bit about me, I'll say a little bit during the, the week through the messages, but uh, I, I pastor started a, and, and pastored a mission work. We were sent out by another church in Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I pastored there for 13 years, and then God called me into what we do now, and we're just finishing up our 13th year of doing that. Uh, so missions is a love of my life, and so I'm honored to get to come and, and to, to share with you in the, in the Word and about missions and one of the things you're going to figure out, that you can tell me if you want to later on in the week, somebody usually does, uh, but there's a word that I get a lot when I go to places, and that's the word different. Someone will come up and say, you're different. I don't know whether that's a compliment or whether it's not. I've not asked for conscience sake, so I won't know. Uh, but I have come to realize that I'm, I'm not your typical guy. Uh, and there were some oddballs in the, in the Bible, if you, you read them, I remember... Uh, I was in Old Testament class, and, uh, and he was teaching on Ezekiel. If you read about Ezekiel, he was a, he was a strange guy. <laughs> and the preacher that I had for Old Testament, he was probably the strangest guy I had ever met. And he made the mistake of asking in class, who's the strangest preacher you've ever met? And then he asked me, and I said, well, sir, you so far. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I guess that's coming back to me, but uh, uh, anyway, and the text that I'm giving you is a little different this week. Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read several verses in it, and then I'm going to kind of give you some opening thoughts, and we're not going to get very far this morning. We've come for five services, and so if I, you think I'm going to get it all done in one, you, 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 you're mistaken, okay? Uh, but uh, we're going to begin some things this morning. Uh, good to hear, see and hear Brother Benji. I met him about a year and a half ago. Uh, down in New Mexico, I was preaching in a missions conference down there that he was attending and just fell in love with him and his family. They came, spent some time with us in our home, and so we're glad to get to fellowship with them a little bit this week. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it said, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when they, had heard, when they had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not thou the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
When they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And, they, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there, uh, be thou there until I bring thee word again, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity of today. Thank you for the safety and coming, for the bringing of all of these together. And Lord, I ask God that you'd help us this morning, Lord, as we just try to begin the work that you've given us to do this week, Lord, that you would have your way. And when it's all said and done, we will have known that we've met with you. And Lord, we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I realize when I, when I go into a place first, I don't know you and you don't know me, so I've never preached to you and you've never heard me preach. And so he may have come up and said, now this guy can preach, but the truth of it is you don't know whether I can or not. And the truth of it is, is that it's okay. When I go into a place the first time, you don't know whether I'm going to say something that's nutty. You may have not been in a missions conference before. You don't have no clue what's going on. And so this is get to know the preacher morning. Amen. And what my hopes is, is that God begins to do some things, because I've never preached to you either. Amen. And so I hope somewhere during the way, because I, I used to pastor, as I say, for 13 years, and I remember when I'd bring a new guy in, and people were wondering, well, what's this guy believe? What is he like? What's he going to do? A lot of them would just kind of look at me as their pastor sitting over there, and if I was liking it, they'd just go ahead and like it. But I hope somewhere along the way between that this morning, tonight, and, and before the week is done, that God will give you an okay. Uh, this man may be a little weird, and his text may be a little weird, but he knows something about God, and he's going to help your heart. That's my desire. I'm not coming to get anything from you, and it's a missions conference, and, and a lot of times when you come into a missions conference, if you've ever been one before, and you may have a little bit of concern because you're afraid I'm going to talk a lot about money and we're going to hit about money, well, I'm really not going to talk about my, much about money. In fact, I probably won't mention much at all till maybe be Wednesday night we'll, we'll say a few things. But uh, when, when I come into a place, uh, this text here in your Bible, it, it's a Christmas text, isn't it? And in, in your heart, whether you said it out loud, some of you are going, what is this guy doing? We're past Easter. Now, I don't know much about fashion, but there's some things you don't wear after a certain time of year. Now, I have to wear it because that's what I got, amen? So I don't know whether black's in or white's in or whatever color you're supposed to have because I, I just wear what I got. But the truth of the matter is there are certain portions of the Bible, whether we, believe, whether we acknowledge it or not, we have been programmed in our life that, that that's just for a certain time of year and you just do certain things. And if you bring that outside of the time of year, you especially don't deal with Christmas after, after Easter. You, you, you're just messed up. And so what I want to do this morning is, is that in life, one of the things that I've learned in, in, in being, growing up in Virginia and moving to the West. Now, one of the things I've already learned in just my time here last time and my time here this morning is that a lot of you have came from somewhere else. Is there anybody from Rapid City that was born here, raised here? All right, we do have a few of them. I'd like to talk to you sometime this week, all right? But if you came from somewhere else, there's some things that you've learned that they may say and they may do here that they didn't say and do where you came from. 
Again, I came from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. I moved and we live in Lander, Wyoming and we've been there for several years now. And there's just things that, that are different. They're, they're just a natural part of, of life. I, I was thinking of one example is, is vocabulary. Uh, the way you say things are terms that you have. One of the, one of the kind of humorous ones when we moved there, uh, where I came up is, uh, is if uh, you were not doing anything in particular, it was called piddling around. You, you just, you're just doing nothing. One day, somebody locally there from Wyoming and, and grew up in Wyoming called my wife and asked my wife, what were you doing around the house? She said, oh, I'm just piddling around the house. And the lady said, well, what, is that, what do you think that word means? Which scared my wife and said, what do you think that word means? And, and so uh, the lady there that grew up in Wyoming, she said, that means peeing. Which gives a whole different picture of what's happening around the house, all right? The word there is dinking. All right? Now, some of you that may have grew up where I did that said piddle, you say, well, that's stupid. Well, they think piddling is stupid. <laughs> but somebody's got to be right. I don't know who it is. So I've learned I deal in a lot of different places. We work in the west. We work in the east. We work a lot in Alaska and the Arctic villages up there with the Eskimos. And so we have a diversity of groups. So I've just learned I dink when I'm there and I piddle over there. That's just the way you've got to do it. But one of my own stories is, is that when I... I remember uh, uh, about, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, uh, uh, there was a guy named Kent Black who was up in Powell. Uh, we were all doing a camp uh, meeting there at uh, the church in Lander, and that means the men go to the mountain and actually camp. I, I didn't grow up that way, but that was, that was interesting to me. And I remember Brother Black came to me, and he asked me, he said, do you have anything, did you bring anything to eat? And I said, sure did. He, he said, what you got? I said, well, I got some vainies and some beanie weenies. And he asked me this question. He said, what in the world is a vaini? <laughs> What's the matter with this man? Don't know what a... How many of you know what a vaini is? All right, some of you do. How many of you have no clue what I'm just talking about? Amen. We got a diverse group here. I like that. He said, now I've heard of Vienna sausage. Same thing. Exact same thing. He said, but I promise you, I've never heard of Vianis before. Still today, if I see that guy, he's going to bring me a can of Vianis, all right? And I thought, well, what was wrong with this guy? He didn't know what a Vianis was. And I actually looked at the can for the very first time in my life. Now, I've eaten them all my life. I've been around them all my life. Bought them in the store all my life, but I never read a can in my life. And right on the can, it said, Vienna Sausage. <laughs> Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Is that I believed what I'd been taught rather than what I read. And one of the things that I've learned about Christianity in dealing with Native American cultures, whether I've dealt uh, with, we live just off the Wind River Ranging the Reservation there in Wyoming, or whether it's in uh, Alaska, is that uh, the greater part of their heritage is it's passed down by word of mouth. So they believe what they're told. But the truth of the matter is, I've learned it doesn't matter whether you're in the East, in the West, where you grew up, what church you grew up in, most people believe what they believe because that's what somebody told them. 
not because what they read. Now, I try my best to say Vienna sausage now. Whether I'm in the east or whether I'm in the west. How come? Because I discovered the truth. That's just what's right. Now, I can try to hold on to what's wrong and, and say, well, I'm just hanging on to my heritage. But I'm just saying, biblically, that's a bad idea. And so what I'm going to do today, this morning, again, we're not even really going to get to dealing with missions. I want you to get okay with this text outside of Christmas. Now, you got your Bible there, and I've read through the, what we would typically call the Christmas account of the wise men going. But in truth, if you, if you read that, more than likely, that actually didn't happen at Christmas. Because they're not going to show up into the manger scene that you're going to have where the shepherds are there because in this text, they're going to show up at a house. Now, again, most of our familiarity with the text, and I'm not being accusative to you this morning, it's just traditionally how people are introduced to this thing. It's usually through the idea of a Christmas play. Am I right? And I'm not against Christmas plays, so don't get anything out of that guy. I don't like Christmas plays, and boy, he preached against that Christmas play we had last year. I'm not against them at all, all right? So don't take it out on him. He didn't ask me to say any of this. I'm just telling you, that's where most of us have a familiarity with this text is around a Christmas play. And so it, because it's in a Christmas play, it's something we're all familiar with. And when we're familiar with it, it means that we've seen it year after year after year because there's just not a lot you can do with this part of the Christmas play. I mean, you know, you're going to have the familiar characters in the Christmas play. You're going to have the wise men, and usually they're going to be three, right? Now, now the Bible don't say whether there's two or three or, or 400 of them. It really doesn't make a, a distinction of how many there were. We just draw on that because somebody brought, they brought three gifts and, and we didn't want everybody to play anyway. So we'll, we'll put three there and, and then we've got some uh, shepherds over here and then we've got the animals over here and, and, and they're going to come. And, and then, we, of course, we've got the, the star. And, and that's how I really got into this text. There's so much about missions in this text once he opened it up to me outside of that, that that scene that I was so used to. You, you've got the star of the play, which is the star. Yeah. Amen. It's a great example. Now, I'm not even preaching on this this week, but it's what God introduced me. It is a good example of missions. Because what that star do, it's going to lead somebody that don't know how to get to God to God. Amen. And it's not about the star. It's about where he's leading them to. And so he just began. And if that star is not right, because a star is supposed to be in a fixed position, and that fixed position is what people can be led by. Amen. And so there's a lot of preaching that can be done out of that. But I'm just saying in the, in the, in the familiar scene, there's the star, and of course you got the baby Jesus laying in a manger most of the time when the wise men come, but that wasn't the way that it was. I'm not trying to mess up your doctrine. I'm just trying to read the Bible. Sorry about that. Uh, it's Vienna sausage, right? Then you got the familiar prompts. You got the camels that are, are there to, to help uh, the wise men to ride on. And then, of course, they're bringing all of the, their fancy stuff and they're going to be on the camels and they're going to be the manger and then there's going to be the gifts of, of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but ain't that strange, baby gifts? I got diapers, wipes, onesies, crib, clothes, none of that. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's part of the prompts. 
And so then you've got all of the elements that are there. And then during the, the service, you, you've got the, the wise men are going to come. And, of course, they're going to recognize the king. And they're going to bow to the king. And they're going to give their gifts. And they're going to head out. And they're going to have the Savior that's recognized. And they're going to depart another way according to the text. And amen, the play is over. Am I right? Now, that message is so familiar that the truth of it is, is most of the time. Now, I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm not saying you can't have a Christmas play. I'm just saying most of the time when you go out, you've been entertained by what happened, but not enlightened by what happened. It means, I don't know how many years you've been coming or how many years you've went to go see this same play over and over and over. But ever how many years that you went to see this play, you came in and left unchanged by this scripture. I'm saying sometimes things become so familiar that we get lost in the familiarity that we can't hear what it actually says. And so all week, if the Lord doesn't change anything, everything that I'm going to be given is going to be from this text. Every message that I'm going to preach is going to be uh, preached from this text. Text and I again I, I won't even exhaust uh, uh, the blessings that that can be in there, but I just want to point out that that in the Bible the Bible said that the, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and all Scripture is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works and so if there's nothing else that happens this week here's the one thing I want to have have happen I want because in this text I found out everybody in this text was changed by the text. The scene that happened here, the things that I read to you, every one of them that came in, came into the scene one way and they left another way. They were changed, whether good or bad. They were all changed by the scene. And it is my hope by the end of the week, if nothing else happens, you met with God and something changed inside of you from this text, maybe for the very first time. Now, I want to give you just a couple of the highlights about the text. Again, just to orient us to the text outside of the Christmas story outside. I'm wanting to try, I'm not trying to erase it to where you don't ever see it again, but I want to pull us out of Christmas and I want to get us into the end of April and in a missions conference to where we can be able to hear what God has to say without imposing what we already have on our mind on the text that we're hearing. Again, just like reading a can of Vienna sausage, I see it and I want to say it. Viney, it comes, it's, it's within there. It wants to come out, but I've got to pull it back and say, no, I'm going to, do it the way that it actually says, all right? So that's my hope with this morning when we get done. Now, here are some finer points of the message. We've, we're used to the familiar part. But here's the word that started it all. Verse 2. They ask the question. This is the whole motivation for everything they're going to do. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Those words stirred something in their heart that's going to completely change their life. Because he said that this person is going to be different than any other person that ever has been born and ever will be born. How come? Because he's born king. See, well, no, they've been kings before. Yeah, but they weren't born king. I'm thinking about poor Prince Charles over there in 
England, 73 years old. Got a mother that's the Energizer Bunny. I mean, I almost feel sorry for him. I'm not even really trying to be comical, but it is kind of comical. Can you imagine he's, he's born and, and you're going to be king one day and, and he was probably excited up to the 30s and 40s and 50s, but, but he done figured out now you can't kill that lady with a gun. She ain't going nowhere and he's never going to be king. How come? Because he wasn't born king. But everybody they're talking about in here, he was born king. In other words, he was born in charge. Now, that could be a blessing. That can be a curse to you. It all depends on how you look at it, and we'll get deeper in that in a minute. But I'm saying that according to the text, that he was, he was king before he ever came. I mean, when he's laying there in that manger, he's already in charge of everything that there is to be in charge of. He has the authority. And it's proven because the stars are already doing his bidding. That's his star, the Bible said. And that his star is going from where he wants it to go, going to where he wants it to go, doing what he wants it to accomplish because he has the authority over a star before he's ever born. It's been working and getting those people to where he is because he was born in a place to where he came that way. He came as king. While he was here, he was king. Now, sometimes it didn't look like he had the say-so, but I'm just telling you he had the say-so, amen? And thank God that he talked about, man, if you missed Sunday school this morning, you missed a blessing. And I love it when I go to places and I'm not lifting him up because I'm grateful, and I'll say more about that this week, of his honesty. We need more of that in America and in our Baptist churches. And I say, brother, it's always good that the message hits you before it hits anybody else. That's the way it should be. That Word of God should be alive and working in our heart because that's the only thing that's going to be real and working in the life of somebody else. It ain't meant something to you. It ain't going to mean something to somebody else. I'm just saying that that what a blessing that was. He wasn't just king when he came. He was king while he was here. Whenever they're standing there and they're saying, come down from the cross. Show us your authority by coming down. No, thank God he showed us his authority by staying on. Oh, what a blessing when when they were crying, give us Barabbas, that inside the heart of Christ, it looks like they're making the decision, but inside the heart of Christ, he's crying, give me Barabbas, give him Barabbas, give him Barabbas, because hey, he's wanting to die for him as well as everybody else. It's on his heart, he was king while he came, he was king before he came, he was king while he was here, and I think one of the things we've forgotten, he's king after he left here. I'm not being mean. I'm not being ugly. And I don't know a thing about you and you don't know a thing about me. So I'm going to preach free as long as I can. (laughs) But if you're worried about who's in charge today, you don't understand who's king. I'm just saying I travel the country and I see a a lot of Christianity today that's troubled by who's in charge. Because we've got to a place to where it seems like all the hope of the church has become to a party of politics. And I'm just saying if that's your hope, you are hopeless. 
Because they're never going to accomplish there what's going to be needed to fix in here. How come? Because they were not born king. But there was one. That was born king, one that was king and one that is king. Thank God. We, we, we celebrate him in the Bible when we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they say we're not going to bow to this king. We understand because there's another king, there's another authority that's higher than you and we're not going anywhere. We're not going to bow. I'm saying they were assured. They were strengthened. They said, now I don't know whether he's going to deliver us from the fire. He certainly can if he wants to, but it really don't matter whether he delivers us from the fire or not. We still ain't bowing because hallelujah, thank God, he's still in charge and we want to know that he's in charge I want you to know that he's still in charge and I think somewhere along the way we've forgotten that he's in charge we always say I know I, I know I know uh, Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good to them we say we know he's in charge and then there's usually a but that comes behind that I'm just saying God is so in charge he wants to work the but out of your life to where you can say like the psalmist after your walk with God and all the things and the scenes that you go through that you're assured surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life so much so that if you're the one in the den of lions and the king is in his palace in his nice warm bed you can sleep while he's awake Because you know that there wasn't somebody that was just born king, was king, but there's somebody that is king. You see, if you get to accept that, if you get to understand this, and again, I'm just trying to get you introduced to the text where you might want to know more about it and get excited about other things that might be there, is that when, when they got settled on that, it changed their heart. It, it actually began to manifest as works in their life. How come? Because those men, those wise men, it changed the way they walked. It changed the places that they walked. How come? Because they were men from the east. This was not their natural home. This is not where they grew up. It's not people that were naturally born there like many of you and, and like myself. We're in a land that, and came to a land that was not ours originally. They're coming from a place and they're coming from a place they left where they are because there was somebody in authority. There was somebody that was key. There was somebody that had the say-so over their life that began to be in charge of their walk in where they went. Now notice the amens are getting less and I'm okay with that. Because a lot of us, our trouble and our struggle is is that we don't desire him to be king over us. We just want him to be king over them. We'd like him to have the say-so over Washington so they would do what we want them to do. We don't want him to be king so we'll do what he wants us to do. But I'm just saying when he gets really declared king in your life, He's going to have the say-so over where you go. That's why I'm not in Virginia. I'm in Rapid City, South Dakota today. Because he's king. And when he becomes king, he changes your walk. He didn't just change your walk, he changes your worship. 
I, I know I, I live in Lander, Wyoming, and, and, and man, it is the recreational capital. I know y'all probably the tourist capital of, of the area here, but we're definitely recreational capital. We got Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School, and man, they teach people how to hike, bike, try, and, uh, and repel, and, and go out and stay for months in the wilderness. I have no desire to learn any of those kind of things. That's why I moved out of town. But when he's king, he's going to have the say-so over not just where you walk, but why you do what you do. In our day, we say, well, all of these hikers and bikers and nature lovers, we can just worship God anywhere. Here's what the wise man said. We are come from the east to here to do what? They couldn't just worship anywhere. If they could, they'd have stayed there and not been there. But when he's king, he has the say-so over where you go, and he don't just have the say-so over where you go. He has the say-so over what you do while you're there. They said, we've come to worship him. You see, they, they've just seen the star. They don't have a personal relationship with him yet. They, they've never met him, in fact. That's the reason they have the star. The star is there to guide them to Christ. He's there to, to lead them in the direction because they don't know where he's at and they don't know how to get there and they don't know much about him. They don't even know exactly where he's been born. They don't know much about him except that he's been born king and they're coming. And what they're going to do, the way that they're going to worship is they're going to come and they're going to bow before him now I don't know we sing the song we three kings of orient are and I don't know whether they were kings or not I do know this they obviously were men of authority and God took those men of authority to a man of authority in Herod again I, I, I'll not preach a whole lot about this this week but again it's good mission related you see the king and the Pharisees who were supposed to be religious people, the chief priests, all of them were supposed to be some of the most religious people. Did you know that they didn't even know that he had been born? But God's going to bring some men of authority to an authority to bring the word that he's alive. He's been born. And they, they have one desire. They said, what are we going to do? We're going to worship him. How are they going to worship him? They're going to bow before his authority. Whatever authority they have made in the past or they have had in the past, they brought it as an offering to him. And they're going to lay that authority down. And they're going to recognize that he's the one that's born king. He's the one that has the say-so. He's the one that has the direction. He's the one that has the wisdom. And so, therefore, I bow before him my life. To that authority, that is the beginning of worship. I wonder how many times in our own life do we come to the house of God and we come in and we go out and we don't worship because we don't bow to the authority that he has. And I could ask you the question, how many of you believe God's in charge of everything? Most of you would probably say, yes, preacher, I, I believe he's in charge of everything. But I'm going to ask you, does he have the freedom from you to be in charge of you and all your life? Does he have the freedom to be able to say whatever he wants to you 
that he wants you to do. And I promise you this week, I'm not here trying to going to call you into missionaries. It would be stupid of me to try to call you to be a missionary because you will fail miserably at it if I call you to be a missionary. Amen. And I remember as our brother shared my own struggles when God began to first deal with me about my dedication to him. I was not a preacher. I was not a missionary. I was just somebody that was saved and getting started. And I remember when God began to nudge my heart and say, I want all your life. I began to hesitate and I'd say, no, not all of it. And this is why I really felt like I was going to end up in Africa, in Zimbabwe, still don't know where that's at. In some mud hut with snakes. To me, that was the worst picture I could think of. If I surrendered to God, I'm going to be in Zimbabwe in a mud hut with snakes as a missionary. And to be honest with you, at that time in my life, I didn't want to be in Zimbabwe in a mud hut with snakes. And when you don't want to be in a Zimbabwe in a mud hut with snakes, the only way you feel like you can keep from that is to say no to God. And it may not be for you that you're afraid of being in a mud hut with snakes in Zimbabwe. But I know this, if God comes to you this week or has already came to you and said, I want more from your life, you know what it is you're afraid of. And if you're not willing to get over that, you're never going to get to really worship God. Because you're never going to honor that place of authority that he has in your life. That's where it began with them. See, I found out that what is good news to one can be bad news to another. I, I, I could be in a service this week and I could preach some things and I could have somebody come up to me at the end of service and they'd just be squalling and saying, oh, preacher, I, I need that. Oh, thank God for sending you this way. I need the message that you had. Oh, preacher, appreciate you being here. I could have another somebody wanting to flatten my tires and punch me in the nose. Same message. You say, how does that happen? Because when it's a message from God, you cannot go unaffected by the message. It's going to cause a response. And understand this week, I'm not going to try to woo you into an altar. I'm not going to try to convince you you need to give more. I'm not going to try to convince you you need to do more. That's not my goal. I'm here to lay out the word of God as he gives it. But somewhere along the way, you're going to have to make a decision with the words that you hear and the things that God says to you. And I'm just saying how you respond to them is going to have a lot to do with the attitude that you're going to go out with. You're either going to be excited about what God has or, or you're going to be hopeful for what God has or you're going to go out and go, I don't want to hear that again. I hope you don't bring that up no more because when Herod heard the message that there was somebody that was born king the Bible he, he, he fakes it and says I, you let me know where he's at and, and I'll go worship him that's what he said but in his heart we know what he really wanted to do he said I, if I can find him I want to kill him in fact He's going to be good. At, he's going to be, make good on his word because he's not going to only try to kill him. He's going to kill a whole bunch of people in the process of trying to kill him because he's that malicious against the idea that somebody else is going to be king of his life and he's not. And the thing that gets me, and I guess we need to make sure we're in reality of this, is that there were more people 
that were angered by the message than they were delighted by the message. I think sometimes he's talking about that saturation thing that you're going to do. I'm just letting you know there'll probably be more people not excited about it than there will be people that are excited about it. How come? Because I got Bible on that. Because the Bible said not only was Herod and the Pharisees upset about it, it said, and all Jerusalem with them. Statistically, if that's, cute, if that's correct, there could be more of us in here this morning that don't like God being in charge than there are people that do like God being in charge. And I don't know whatever you want to do in missions, you're not really going to be very good at it till you get to this spot. It doesn't matter whether you put $10,000 a week in the offering plate and give it to people all over the world. It will not change your relationship with God until you have bowed before Him Amen. and said you're in charge. Because sometimes it's easier to pay somebody to do something than it is to do something. I've had preachers say this. I'm not, I'm not being mean in hearing them say that. They say, let's give something to Him so we don't have to go. We go to Alaska. We're up there during the, the winter months a lot of time for several months when we go in to do a relief work for a missionary. It could be 50 below zero uh, for a great length of time and that's just the air temperature and much less uh, the wind chill and, and you'll shovel snow every day, two or three times a day trying to, to clear a path and, and, and you'll be living in places that maybe you wouldn't normally want to, to live in. The thing we've got to get settled in our life is, is, is can God, does he have the freedom to do whatever he wants to do in my life? Because in missions, you, you can say, well, I'm just going to pay you to do that. I'll give you money so you can go do it so I won't have to do the will of God for me. You've missed the boat on missions if that's what you're giving for. Amen. The first thing that you're going to give to missions, and that's where we'll go more in depth tonight, is give him yourself. Because that's the first thing these, whether they realized it at the time or not, were not only missionaries, but they were going to become supporters of missions as well. Mm -hmm. Is they're going to come, they're going to give him them. And so before you worry about what you're going to put on the paper financially, worry about what you're going to put on the roll spiritually this week. Because here's where I'm going to leave you at today. Is that this text may have not been something that you're familiar with outside of the familiar story that we normally get. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. Lord, am I willing to go this week wherever this text wants me to go? Am I willing to get, am I willing to lay down my vainies that I may have trusted in and believed in with all my heart because that's what I've been told. And if you'd see fit, pick up the Vienna sausage. Because for the first time, I heard it from his word. And I'm going to do it from a different source than just what I believed and what I've been told. But because now I've heard it from you, and I know what you want from me is right. Father... That seemed to be the distance you'd have me to go this morning, and Lord, you've been helpful to me, and I'm grateful. God, you give me a, 
uh, great liberty here, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I know I'm a new guy, and they don't know me. But, Lord, I pray they know you. And what I'm asking this morning, I know they don't know where I'm going this week with all of this, and, Lord, they're not supposed to at this time. But, Lord, you just given this morning, Lord, for us to take some time and really just see where we are with you. God, can we, can we say we have a real desire to worship? Lord, I want you to be the authority in my life, to have all the say-so over everything. You're in charge because you were born king, and you're still in that position, and I honor and I recognize that position. Lord, if not, I pray that there'll be an honesty about them this week. Not be ashamed to tell me or anybody else, but Lord, there, there will just be an honesty and say, Lord, that's exactly where I am. Lord, I know you are king, and I know that's right. But in my heart, as I was when I said, I don't want to go to Zimbabwe, I don't want to be in a mud hut, and I don't want snakes. Lord, I know what's right, but I don't want what's right. Help me, Lord, to want what's right. That may be the beginning place. Lord, it may be some here this morning, they're not saved. They, they've never been saved. They don't... They don't know who you are. They don't know all about you. Then might be this morning, God, you've begun to open their eyes. Lord, I pray that they themselves would bow their life before you and say, God, I've wrestled with it. I know you've wanted the authority, but Lord, you've never had it before. Lord, might it be today that they'd be saved themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.